Welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. In this episode, the Brand Extract team breaks down the key components of inbound marketing. They define what inbound marketing is, why and when it can be effective, its benefits, and what you should consider when building your own inbound marketing program. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hey listeners, quick programming note, we did have some technical difficulties recording this episode, but we were able to rectify most of those in post-production. Hopefully it isn't too disruptive to your listening experience, and we hope you get some great insights out of this episode. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Solving for B. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and I'm excited to be joined today by Director of Marketing Communications, Laura Ehrlich. Hey, Chris. And making his podcast debut, Digital Marketing Strategist, Taylor Dots. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Thanks for sitting in today, guys. Uh, so today we'll be discussing a topic that seems to have exploded in recent years. Uh, but as we'll discuss, it isn't an entirely new concept. Um, that topic is inbound marketing. Taylor and Laura will talk about what it is, how it differs from outbound marketing, what are its benefits, and how to get started. But let's start with a basic definition first. Uh, what is inbound marketing? Yeah, for sure. So I kind of think of it more like kind of two tracks of marketing, right? So there's inbound marketing and then outbound marketing. And so I would say, you know, outbound marketing is really focused on, you know, seeking out customers, getting their attention. Whereas inbound marketing is all about kind of like gaining visibility. So potential customers come to you on their own time, right? So it's kind of like a little shift in, in, in thinking, you know, we use a lot of the same tools at the end of the day between inbound and outbound, but for inbound, it's really like um, writing, you know, useful, helpful, engaging content that people can find at their own pace. Yeah. So it's the difference between put, pushing out your message outbound, right? And pulling people in with something, you know, seemingly hopefully of value, right? Like we want to help as opposed to we want to sell, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of more like instead of just trying to like capture attention, you know, really you're trying to like build awareness, uh, develop relationships, offer solutions and uh, establish like um, help people like trust your brand essentially. And all that kind of culminates in uh, better lead generation and better customer retention too. Yeah. So that, that kind of leads me to, um, you know, kind of a next question, which was kind of what are some of the benefits of, of inbound marketing as opposed to, or in, in, in contrast to outbound marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say the first one and the biggest one and one that's like the most noticeable for people instantly, right. Is they don't feel like they're being sold to. I think like we, as humans, we, we fundamentally, we see enough ads these days, there's banner blindness. We fundamentally know when we are being pitched to or sold to. Right. Uh, so that is, that's one big, one big benefit, but there's also kind of a couple like, somewhat unique tools and technology that are often in play or almost always in play in inbound marketing. Um, and the first one would be like a really, you know, your CRM or your customer relationship management tool, right? So really what that does is it bundles all of your marketing and, and user data about how people respect, react to your marketing. It bundles it all in one kind of place. So you can use that data for like better insights or more targeted, more personalized marketing. Uh, that second one is is just that more personalized marketing, right? When you know how people engage with your brand or what language works the best or what content they're interested in, you can better personalize your marketing and it's more effective. 
And then uh, the third thing too is marketing automation, right? So inbound marketing relies heavily on marketing automation from you know, emails to a, a wide range of content, really. So marketing automation also helps, you know, increase increase efficiency in getting marketing programs out or keeping a lot of marketing programs going, right? Um, if you can automate your marketing, it frees up internal resources. One thing I wanted to touch on just to expand on what Taylor was talking about and some benefits to inbound marketing. <clears throat> when he mentioned about, or the audience, they're not feeling like they're being sold to, that's, that's building trust. That's building a relationship and that's building trust. Inbound marketing is much, much more effective in doing that. Um, it's it's also a lot more affordable. If you look at, you know, what outbound is, outdoor marketing, billboards, ads, things like that, where inbound marketing, most of that is digital. It's It's much more affordable than an outbound marketing. I think that's a big benefit too, but it also is better with lead conversions. There are stats that show that you get 10 times the lead conversions with inbound marketing than you do with outbound marketing. So I think those are some additional significant differences between the two. Yeah. And, I, and again, I think it goes back to, you know, how we like absorb information, like as people, right? So, um, you know, I think outbound is really like interruptive, really, you're, you know, so you're going down the highway, you see a billboard, and you have like two seconds to catch it in your in your vision, and then it's gone, right? Or radio ads or TV ads interrupting your favorite program, trying to get your attention when your mind's not really there. Where is whereas like inbound marketing is more informative, right? So it's all designed to be content that's found right along along your journey right so instead of interrupting your day you're looking for a specific solution you stumble upon a blog that has really great solution to your problem and it's again not trying to sell to you um, but it's about establishing that relationship and also you know from from our marketer side you know seeing how people react to your content and what content really kind of moves the needle at the end you're empowering your customer is what you're doing Instead right. of sort of in your face, kind of forcing messages down your throat, down their throat, you're empowering them. You know, there's a real significant difference to that. And it all comes down to that, that content, giving them some very valuable content. Totally agree. And, you know, that makes me think about another shift in kind of perspective is, is there's a lot of upfront legwork and getting to know your audiences and your customers and like those buyer personas really. Uh, so you know what they're struggling with kind of at every stage of their buyer's journey or the sales funnel, whatever term you use, it's kind of the same thing, right? At wherever we are in that that journey, we have specific questions and answers that we need before we can kind of proceed to the next step. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of a teaser for something we will talk about here before too long is kind of the components of this and what kind of makes it up. But I do want to talk um, a little bit about the inbound philosophy. So um, there's there's kind of, uh, there's been a little bit written about, and it's, it's even taken, as far as I understand it, a little bit of evolution over the years. But what is the inbound philosophy? What is that? Like, what are the, the, the phases of that? Yeah, for sure. So we kind of touched about some of the philosophy, but really it's all rooted in kind of viewing your, your audiences as distinct kind of buyer personas essentially, right? So brand extract, we do like journey mapping exercises to figure out what those buyer personas are and figure out what they need. Um, and we, I looked at, I look at it in like three stages, right? So some people are going to be in the very early top of the funnel attract stage, right? At this point, they're all just looking for like informative content, engaging content that answers their questions. Uh, once they kind of know enough about potential solutions to their problems, they start like considering between 
two different providers, right? So this second stage would be the engagement stage, right? This is where conversations are happening and uh, you can be a little bit more clear and a little bit more bold with your selling solutions. And then the third stage, the final stage is kind of like the delight stage. And so this is for like post-purchase satisfaction because that's one thing that Inbound really thrives at really is keeping people within your pipeline and then also continuing to like delight them with good content and good answers and help and solutions uh, to help retain customers. Right. And we all know it's like, what is it? I forget the percentage, but it's much more expensive to acquire new customers than to retain your existing ones. Uh, So that's kind of the attract, engage, delight stage is kind of what I envision is like the buyer's journey. And each one of your buyer personas is going to be within there. Right. Yeah. So I know we'll get into some tactical examples later for that, but uh, essentially that's the philosophy. And so if you have those three phases, your next step really becomes, you know, identifying what, where your audience feel like where your audience rests within those phases. And then what kind of content is going to be most resonant for them to get them to the next phase. Yeah. What's going to move them through that. And, and Laura, it goes back to the thing you talked about, you know, that delight phase really for me is like just even more opportunity to build trust with them. Uh, it's that relationship building piece. It's that continuing to add value because it it does operate as, and you know, I'm borrowing a little bit from HubSpot here, but it does operate um, as like a flywheel, right? It's right. not a linear journey. It's more of a, a cyclical right. I guess, sort of, sort yeah. of journey. Absolutely. And that, you know, pairs really, really well with the marketing automation angle, right? So you can set up these automated pathways and it's like, okay, this is what people in the awareness stage will go through. And at the end, they'll be ready to move to the engagement to like the engagement stage with a conversion. And so once you set those pathways up, um, as, as you get new contacts or new potential leads, they can go and enter that kind of engagement stage campaign and then work to the, or the attraction stage campaign, then to the engagement stage campaign, and then hopefully convert customer. And then they're in a bunch of delight stage campaigns real quick, like a, cause you know, we're using a bunch of language, but it's like, okay, what does this actually look like? So like, uh, uh an example of a delight stage campaign, you know, when you, um, you know, you've shopped at a brand for a long time, say it's like. Uh, some clothing distributor, right? And then on your birthday, you get those emails that's like, hey, congratulations, your birthday. For you, we're giving you a 20% off coupon, essentially. That's like a, a low level kind of like an example of a delight stage campaign, right? You've already been a customer, you're in their system, they have your email, and they know what kind of stuff you're into and what kind of products you like. So they'll go ahead and say, hey, I noticed you're really into hats. So I'm going to, here's a 20% coupon for the next, you know, next five hats you get, right? So that's all kind of part of the philosophy of, you know, looking at what people like and giving them more of it. Yeah, love that. So I, I want to talk a little bit about how you build an inbound strategy. What are the components and considerations for an inbound strategy? Yeah, that's really good question. So, you know, like most things in marketing, this is actually stays the kind of same. You've got to start off by like defining your goals. And uh, for us, you know, defining those buyer personas or this audience personas, right? So I know typically like three is a classic number, right? Uh, Kind of looking at your audience in three different, you know, personas that could be involves things like your awareness stage or, or how comfortable they are in their industry. But yeah, really defining what is our goals and then what are those buyer personas? And so once you know that, I would say the next step would be performing a content audit and really looking at analytics for how people react and engage with that content. And if you can even looking at how does each buyer persona engage with that content. Yeah. So I'm trying to view that as you like know, kind of you, first step. You think of, you got to think of inbound marketing is, is just a piece of the bigger marketing picture and marketing being the activation component of a brand. So as you would 
to Taylor's point, as you would with any sort of brand exercise or marketing exercise, you have to know your audience. And that's where the buyer persona exercise comes in and that customer journey. But taking it up a level higher, you've got to know the brand too. You've got to understand what that brand is all about that you are promoting, albeit subconsciously, but you're promoting it. And so you really need to know that brand inside and out as well when you're, you know, as part of that strategy before implementing any sort of inbound marketing program or any marketing program for that matter. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. If you don't know like what value really you're, you know, the ultimate key value you're offering, that's going to make it really, really difficult to figure out, okay, what do you know, what, what can I bring that's unique to the table? Um, and once you know that, you know, then you have a bunch of selling messages, right? So that kind of all affects. Right. Because you could have all the tools in the world, the best tools in the world. But if you're not on message, you know, the tools can still fail. The inbound marketing is only good as the data that you, you know, the output is only as good as the data that you pull into it. So, right. And this leads me to what I think are the two most critical components. Now, you, I mean, look, I think everything has its, its role here, but I think the two most critical components um, are two of the most critical components are content. I think, you know, we talked already a lot about the content that goes into that because you're not, you're not necessarily selling so much or being as aggressive. You're trying to be informative. You're trying to be helpful. So content is really critical. But then the other piece that I feel like gets overlooked is data. What, how are you collecting data? What are you doing with data inputs? You know, you, and again, going back to the flywheel thing, it's like you're continuously getting data from, from the things you're putting out, right? Email Mm -hmm. open rates, uh, click-throughs, organic traffic, all, you know, because Google gives you kind of some, some indications of what your customers want to see and hear. So, you know, Yes, you upfront, you absolutely need to have uh, have have your um, personas identified and understand them really well. Mm-hmm. But really what that does is that gives you a hypothesis. And then whenever you whenever you know you start putting stuff out there and you're seeing how your market and your your targets are reacting to that, then I think successful programs really do revisit and iterate and you know try to try to go from there, Laura. And yeah, I, I'll let Taylor speak specifically to the inbound marketing, but Chris, that's that's a great point, and it applies to marketing across the board. Yeah, you know, you you want to have some metrics in place. So you know, one, you've got to get that those metrics in place, and two, you need to continuously evaluate and audit and understand those metrics so that you can, again, with any marketing program, pivot as need be. Uh, respond to market fluctuations, understand what's working and what's not working. So, you know, with inbound marketing, there's no difference. You know, you you really need that continuous flywheel of understanding the data. Yeah. Um, Taylor can speak more to, to that specifically with inbound to have a really good, uh, you know, analysis system in place. But yeah, that's a, that is a critical component. I agree. And and I I want to turn this over to Taylor too, but I, I will inject here. I alluded to this at the top, right? This isn't inbound marketing. Isn't a totally new, you know, mind blow concept. It's kind of the core principles of of marketing, you know, as done properly that we've had all along, right? We we want to be there 
Um, we want to be top of mind. And how do you do whenever someone's ready to purchase? How do you do that? Well, you leave good experiences. You provide value. Um, you're not, you know, you're not annoying them with a billion emails. Um, you're really right. kind of, you're kind of, Taylor, I think you use the, um, I think you use the, the, the imagery of like leaving kind of breadcrumbs to your brand. Yeah. But, but yeah, Taylor, talk about, you know, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on, on inbound marketing and, and well, I want to say one quick thing to respond to what you just said, Chris, and that is, you know, inbound marketing not being a new thing. Uh, it, it's not new in the sense that it's been around for 10 years, but it's really exploded with the digital era, right? I mean, because it's digital. If you look back 15 years ago, nobody knew what inbound marketing was. They may have been doing a form of it, but there was no terminology about inbound and outbound marketing. It was just marketing. Then the digital era, and then this phrase has been coined, and then it's just exploded onto the scene. So I just want to say it's not, it's not new. You're completely right. But the, but the concept isn't new, but like the terminology and now how we are utilizing it to support our branding is, is a little new. Yeah, I see it as using a lot of the old, so a lot of the same old tools, but it's kind of like using them in new ways, right? So, I mean, you're a data guy, I'm a data guy. We both got started in like SEO, right? And so we're big on analytics and reporting to like drive future decision-making, right? I'm still, I'm still that way, right? Um, But I think in going back to what I mentioned, one of the kind of more unique things about Inbound is like that CRM, right? Bundling all your marketing data in one place and more specifically, relating it to each individual person. Cause like, I don't know, you know, a lot of times for marketing teams, they struggle because they have all their website data over here in Google analytics. And then they have all of their email marketing data over here in like MailChimp or constant contact or something. Right. And then they have all of their social media information and reporting analytics within their social platforms. And what a CRM does really, really well is it's going to bundle all of those metrics in one place and specifically how each individual contact or person individual like interacts with all that content. And so when you get it all in one place, you can see from like a 50,000 foot view. Okay. So yeah, blogs are really moving the needle. They bring in a lot of people and introduce them to me. But after that, it's the social media post or it's the email marketing that really moves people from the awareness stage to the engagement or, you know, the delight stage, really. That's, that I think is one powerful tool about it is bundling all those analytics in one place and really seeing what, what, makes things happen. Right. And so going back to what you guys said, I mean, Chris, you know, two big things that stuck out to use buyer personas and data hundred percent agree, but because now that we can bundle our, all our analytics in like a CRM, I think it becomes even more important to like, look at those analytics for every single buyer persona and every single stage. Right. Cause sometimes you can have a blog that say it gets like 90% of all the traffic that all your blogs get. And you're like, this is great. We need more of this. And it's like, no, that's, that's, that is good. But it, it, it's highly likely that's good for one type of audience persona. You don't want to leave out those other two. Right. So looking at that stuff helps you realize, uh, Hey, what's effective for each persona and what's effective for each persona within those three phases, which kind of leads me to the next step of building an inbound strategy, which is building content for every persona in every of those three phases, right? And so to I do- I was just that, about to say something like that, Taylor, because going back to what Chris was saying for this, so having the right content, the right topics, and to your point, Taylor, the right content for each you know, stage in the journey too, I mean, that yeah. is so critical. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 
no, that's okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to steal all your transitions for the rest of this podcast. But, um, <laughs> but you know, if you're going to, if you're going to make content at every stage, you know, one part of that too is, you know, leaning back on that content audit, right? So when you're auditing content saying, okay, I've got a great blog for uh, persona one for the awareness and consideration stage, but like really for like when they're making decisions, I need some more like bottom of the funnel decision level content, really showing why we outclass our competitors because they're ready for that discussion now. And again, leaning on what makes your brand unique, what's your brand value. And that's where that comes back into play. And, and I will say that a, a journey mapping exercise can be so incredibly valuable Absolutely. For, for that very thing, right? Because, you know, it, it talks about, all right, all right, it un- uncovers what people, what your personas are feeling um, at each step, right? What they're missing, where we're, where we or the industry as, as a whole is falling short, what they want to see, what they want to hear, what they don't want to see or don't want to hear. So then it gets, it helps you not only identify the types of content that you need, but also the channels um, and, and the, the distribution of that content. You know, if we know, if we know our audience is a lot younger, um, and maybe some of our content needs to be on social platforms, if they're a little bit older, maybe some of that content needs to be directly on email and, and, and everything in between, right? There's no one size fits all for every industry or even every company. So and it does go back to those buyer personas and for people that may not be totally familiar with that. But what you're doing is is you are dissecting that buyer. You are trying to figure out what they like, what they don't like, where they go for their information. You know, that's that buyer persona exercise. But another critical component of that is identifying their pain points. So when you've identified things like that, what are challenges to them? What are things that bother them? What are things what are problems they want to solve? You're, you're, you're figuring all of that in that buyer persona, then you can have the content sort of address those things specifically. And that helps, you know, that engagement phase that Taylor was talking about, getting them really interested because they're like, there's my solution right there. That addresses something that I have a need for or that I'm confused about or that bugs me. And we are, you know, addressing that very specifically because we've done our homework with the buyer personas. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, absolutely. It makes when you when you do that homework, it makes creating like an inbound strategy like it's, it's nearly half done, I would say. Right. So like a couple of months ago, we worked with a client and we were lucky enough for them to start with that. Right. Kind of an, like a, a journey mapping to determine our buyer personas. And as part of that, what we were also doing next was creating an inbound strategy for them that we would then later go execute in like a HubSpot, like a, like we use HubSpot often, but you know, really that's one inbound marketing tool. Um, this methodology applies to everything. So are any of the tools, but so we started with journey mapping. And by the time we got to the, the HubSpot strategy section, I was like, Oh, this is great. We know the three top personas and we know exactly what information they want and exactly what information will push them like over the line into the next phase into uh, you know, now they're not just a lead, they're a sales qualified lead. And again, that's stuff we're, we're, we're reporting on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a little bit of a side, but, you know, going back to the whole the, the data thing, I know, you know, there's a lot of frustration sometimes for people because like when you're showing a metric from Google Analytics and people go to the website and then you're like, hey, great. So some, someone visit our blog page and they, then they click to that, this like content offer or gated form page, right? So there's a form, you fill out a form and you get the content for it. And you can report upon that and say, hey, this page got 100 page views and 12 people submitted on the form, right? And then the question I get most often after saying that is, great, who are those people? 
And typically you're like, well, we don't know. All we have is their IP address, but we just, it's just, it's numbers in Google Analytics. Whereas with uh, with CRMs, right, they have the ability to attribute that form submission to an individual contact. So if you do go with like a HubSpot or a Salesforce sort of solution, you can actually see, okay, of those, you know, 12 submissions, this is like Amy Joy and Taylor Dodds and Chris Wilkes all submitted on it. It was at this time. And here's how many blogs they read before to get to this conversion. And here's how many emails it took. And here's how many social posts they saw. And so it's- And that it's data pretty- is invaluable. That is yeah. just such invaluable data. Yeah. It goes into the flywheel, right? It gets it back into the gets, flywheel. It's put back into the flywheel so that we can say, hey, we know this is a proven, a proven um right. path for 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 success, right? For this type of persona. We know that someone does this. And it doesn't mean it's gonna work every single time, but it gives you a much, much higher chance. Um, and it, I mean, really, it, it makes all this it for me, inbound marketing is a great example of. Um, to get a great case study in understanding where all the pieces of marketing strategies fit together, right? Here's why you have the content. Here's why you do the personas. Here's why. And you start to see that flywheel take shape. And it's like, oh, this, you know, this makes total sense to me. And Taylor, you alluded to it, alluded to it earlier as a data nerd, you know, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. When you see that, when you see those patterns start to emerge, it's just like, oh man, that's the gold. That's when you feel like, you know, the eureka moment for you. It's like, you know, it all kind of comes together and it's it's very yeah. uh, satisfying when it works out that way. Yeah. And, and the can- great tie with with branding, sorry, Taylor, one quick point. The, the great tie to this with branding is back to that relationship building that trust. Inbound marketing is a much longer engagement with a potential customer, with your customer. Because yeah. it's not just about, you know, the end goal of making the sale, if you will, but it's also continuing the moments of delight, right? So it's continuing with that relationship and building that trust and maybe getting future business that you've you've established a rapport by now with them. So it's not a one and done sale. This is a long-term engagement. That's another, I think, kind of a distinction with with inbound marketing and a benefit of inbound marketing. You're yeah. continuing, even after the sale, to communicate with them and engage them and inform them and educate them and help them. Yeah, right. it doesn't feel like marketing. It feels like you're helping. I mean, yeah. I really, that's that's the, that's, a good point. that's the secret sauce, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure we've all like had something break in our house and we've Googled how to fix it. And, you know, you go through how many blogs that are people trying to sell like new doorknobs or, you know, tools to fix your your door or whatever. And then this, you know, a good example of a good inbound strategy done right would be just giving the answers in a short, concise, but engaging way. Um, And then leaving them with like a, like, hey, if you want to learn more about blah, 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 go on to this next step. Um, Will they buy your door parts after reading that one blog? Probably not. But next time they're looking for answers on a similar topic, you're going to have more trust and more authority with them. And they know that you're not going to have like a billion pop-ups on your site or just immediately rushing to the sale. Yeah. And and when they need and the, the, the I love that analogy, Taylor, because like, hey, this doorknob broke, and I went to this site. Okay, now the hinge broke, and I went to the site, and now I need to place replace the whole door, and I know I can't do that. I know who to call. Right. right. That's that's the that's the whole goal of inbound marketing. You're giving a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. There's those breadcrumbs, Taylor, that you've talked about. It's like okay. These guys have helped me three, four, five times. They're the door experts. So now, when I need the the whole, you know, the whole kit and caboodle, I'm going to them. So you are establishing your brand's credibility. 
that's what you're doing. So to your point, Chris, they're, they've now trusted you. They see you as a credible resource absolutely. for that door. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about who inbound marketing works for. Is it, is it right for every brand? Are, are there some certain instances where it's not? Do you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, so on, on one hand, I would say this, I'd say, yes, it's right for every brand because it's, it's really, it's just like, it's a more empathetic uh, method of communicating with people, right? Like at the end of the day, we're still people, whether I'm on this side of the screen or on your side of the screen, uh, we're communicating, whether you're reading it, you're watching this video, you're listening. To this I podcast. agree with you, Taylor. Yeah. I just wanted to say, I want to throw that in there and say, I, <laughs> I was going to say there, there is no brand this would not work for. Right. Some better than others, B2C versus B2B. We've all had those sort of conversations, but I can't think of one instance where I would I would recommend to a client, don't do inbound marketing. Yeah, right. I mean, you who know. doesn't want more considerate, more like specific, you know, help with what they're looking for while avoiding like over overbearing sales tactics. Now, I'm not saying that we don't push for sales tactics, but there's a time and place for it, right? So, you know, people always joke about elevator pitches. In elevator pitches, you're always talking about the brand and the value. You're not elevator pitches are no joke, Taylor Dodds. <laughs> I know, but you're not talking about. And by the way, our door prices are twelve ninety nine. It's discounted for you know today only. You should really buy it now. You're like, hey man, we've got thirty seconds in this elevator. So yeah, and so it, I think it works for everybody. Now for I, I would say brand, one thing. One yeah. thing. Sorry, Taylor, and then I'll let you continue. I, it just kind of occurred to me. Inbound marketing is largely digital, right? If not almost all digital. So. Maybe there are a circumstance with, you know, we've got a lot of energy clients. If your audience is in the field, 100%, they don't have a cell phone, let's say, because even mobile devices, you can get inbound marketing. That's still part of it, too. Maybe that persona, I wouldn't say that brand, but maybe that particular persona, inbound marketing may not be ideal because they're offline. Other than that, I mean, that would be a really, really rare kind of circumstance. But, yeah. you know, I think it's something to consider. So is there a brand that it wouldn't work for? I'd say no. But is there well, a persona that it may not work for? That's what I was about to say. But then again, right? Yeah, it may be a persona it may not work for. But yes. the guys in the field um, sometimes might be making the like the purchasing decisions, but sometimes not, right? Um, or that persona, True. you may be like, okay, we're going to lean on less digital aspects because for this persona, we really need to increase brand awareness or like trust in the brand, which can be done with less digital methods. You know, like totally outbound tactics are not irrelevant anymore, right? A billboard while not at all. Agreed can still affect brand awareness, but I, I would, I would agree, you know, it's, it's all about, and again, buyer, buyer personas, what other challenges, what are they looking for? And you mentioned it, how are they getting that info? If, if, mm -hmm. if guys in the field are not reading my social posts, I don't want to dedicate more of my marketing resources to social posts exactly. to towards print ads that we can get on their field, on their site. So it reminds them of things. You know, that's a great point about social is, and that's part of the research, the buyer personas you know, we when we we do those, it's it's not a rare thing where we've asked the question, "How do you get your information? Are you on LinkedIn and Facebook?" Mm -hmm. No, I haven't been on that in years. Okay, good note. You know, so yeah. there are some other channels and avenues we can definitely use, but that is part of that homework, right? So we know right. with that persona, that's reaching them through social channels, probably not yeah. ideal, but there's so many other ways to do it. 
Right. And even those companies that are like, we get all our business from referrals and that's enough for us. We don't need to advertise. It's like, okay, well, one day referrals will dry up. And if that's truly the source you get most of your business and that's, you know, referrals is an authoritative source. Great. What can we do to incentivize people to increase the amount of referrals they make per month? Right. right. So getting back right. to the light stage, maybe it's less about a, attracting more new people. It's about better delighting people. So they will do the promotion for you. So, I mean, all of this, you know, so I would say, yes, it, it, <laughs> it works because it just, it, it aligns with how we want to be spoken to and how we absorb information. But that being said, I will say it does particularly like succeed for, for like the B2B industry and, and particularly like long, like long complicated sales. Right. Um, so I definitely see a lot of companies, B2C companies that sell products that are $10 and under using a lot of like inbound marketing tactics, specifically marketing automation and the CRM to get all the data about you. Like going back to that birthday, you know, birthday email, that's something that a lot of B2C companies that sell very low price products do. And that's adding value and that's inspiring more sales and it's delighting customers further. Right. But for, for a company that has a high price product and it takes a long time to sell that product, this is where this really thrives, right? Because for these high price products like buying a car, or uh, we have a client who uh, they uh, they own and operate senior living communities, right? So if your parents need assisted living or senior living solutions, that's what they're there for. Buying a car or putting your mom and dad in a senior living facility is not a decision you make lightly. And it's probably not one you make in a single day, or it's not even one you like view a couple different web pages and you're like, nope, I'm good. I'm ready to commit to a full year of, of this. Or if it's a car, I'm ready to commit to paying this car off for however many years my note is, right? Um, so those long, complicated sales, people typically need more information, you know, whether it be sales sheets, data sheets, reading reviews, talking to people that have used it, you know, watching videos on it, what have you. There's a lot more steps until they're at that buying decision. And then that's where all that content comes in, right? Use a variety of content for the thing that makes the most sense at whatever stage they're in. So let's let's shift gears a little bit. I, I wanna I wanna get your guys' opinion on um, brands that you know or you interact with or you see uh, that do a good job with their inbound marketing. Like, is there are there any brands out there that you see in your daily life? You're like as a as a consumer. Taylor and Laura, are, is there anyone that's like, you know what? Hey, like I like these guys aren't annoying. They add value to me. Like if I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy from them. I'm brand loyal to them because their inbound marketing, you know, has resonated with you in some way. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, one that comes to mind immediately is probably like recency, but this is really really cool. And I'm, I mean, like two weeks ago, everyone was sharing pics of it on Instagram. But so Spotify, right? Their Wrapped campaign that they do at the end of the year, that is like through and through like really great inbound stuff or like inbound methodology and good inbound in practice. Right. Because what they're doing is they're just looking in their CRM or taking all the data they have about you. Like this was your favorite song. These were your favorite genres. And what you get is like a hyper personalized, customized summary about you. And like, who doesn't want to, you know, hear about themselves. Right. Yeah. So, you know, super, super personalized, like added value. Hey, thanks for being a user. Here's like a little thing about you. And you know, that costs money to make that costs effort and planning and time. Uh, but people go crazy for it, right? They share it. Uh, they're scaring screen caps. There's that delight stage, right? People promoting for you. Um, but, you know, beyond that whole rap campaign, they have super personalized email marketing. I know I get their emails um, and it'll like have new recommendations and tips for different artists. And even I think they still do this where if you follow an artist, it'll be like, 
hey, we know you live in Houston and they're coming to this venue in Houston. So we know you like them. Do you want to go? Like they're not making more money by directing you to a different band, you know, like, uh, but incredibly, you know, valuable, personalized content for you. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Laura, do you have any that come to mind for you? Well, I would say Uber, Uber Eats and just Uber, you know, share ride. I think they're really good at that personalized content. And I never feel like they are in my face at all. But it's always, especially since the first time I, I ordered through them, let's say a delivery. Now they they've captured the information of the type of food, you know, cuisines that I like, where I live. All of that is, you know, here are the restaurants around you, the cuisines that you like, you can get your delivery in this amount. But I never yeah. feel like it is forced upon me in any way, shape, or form. Um, so you know what I they think, also do? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. So you know what they also do, which is funny, is I, I, I'm not, this is not confirmed, but I'm pretty positive this is happening. So I notice I get push notifications from my phone because I order a lot of Uber Eats, but um, I get push notifications <laughs> around the time that I normally order dinner. So it'll be like, hey, yeah. feeling hungry? Here's blah, blah, blah. Like they're looking at what time do they usually do it by the day? Um, like, you know, oh, on Fridays, Taylor eats earlier or, you know, Mondays he's eating later because he's catching up with work or whatever. All of that, they're they're really looking at, that data as well that right data piece, yeah. that is so smart because it is a trend and and a lot of times what i order is a trend it's it's on the days i'm in the office i order poke it's it's like this normal thing so i've been getting more and more around those same dates and times you mm-hmm. know the 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 restaurants that have poke the specials and promotions that have that so that's a really good point yeah, yeah. Even like if you order, uh, if you order food from a same spot, multiple places, you might get like yep. points to get discounts. That's great. And if you're yep. also one of those top order people, that's what triggers a bunch of like reviews. They're like, Hey, if you can hear a bunch of time, please leave a good review. Exactly. So that's engagement for Uber. That's pass along engagement for the, for the restaurant themselves. Like it all. Right. And that's just Uber eats, man. Like, you know, it's really wild that I read about like, so Uber, like the delivery service, they, this is kind of like a little behind the scenes, but like what they ended up doing was they took all their users and they broke them down into every individual state. Right. And, and then within that, like kind of even sub sub regions, and then that kind of information and data gets pushed to their individual like workers essentially. And really what this kind of nets out in is they're looking at your rides and your regular trips And now what they can even do is if you have like a scheduled trip or if it's a trip you do regularly, they can give you notifications that if there's like a traffic jam or a potential interruption in that trip, like, right. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, no one wants to be late to a meeting. So that's, that's, that's super, that's a flight (laughs) or a flight. Yeah. That's what I've noticed those come through is whenever, Hey, there's, there's construction on this bridge. Make sure you leave a little early. Houston's been going through a ton of construction by the airport. So they like, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure you know, book this early. So it's, it's, it's all, you know, speaking to using that. It goes back to building that relationship and that trust. I, I trust them. Are are they the, you know, the ultimate no fault company or brand? No, I'm not saying that, but I, I do trust them. And I don't feel like back to Taylor's point about not feeling like somebody's pushing a sale. I never feel like it's being pushed on me. I feel like they're informing me. They're letting me know they're sending me offers. Hey, if you want to take it, if not, cool. You know, it's it's not done aggressively, and but it is. I find it helpful. Yeah. It's helping me, and that you know, again, going back to possible moments of delight. But I also feel like I am 
being helped, especially if I'm hungry. So. Yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, for me, you know, the, the, the brand that I think that does a really good job of this, and it's a little inside baseball here, but uh, Moz. Moz is a software, an SEO software. Yes. And they have one of their, you know, brilliant for me anyway, brilliant pieces of like content marketing is uh is the whiteboard friday series that they have i mean especially early in my career that was every friday i mean it's still i have a have a leftover reminder on my calendar every friday i get wbf which stands for whiteboard friday i go look at it and watch it i don't do it as much anymore but that piece of hey we've got we're teaching you something you will there's this new change know about and you can go find it like they're not even pushing that to me mm-hmm. i just know it's there and it's such a valuable resource to me that i know i'm going to go there and then you know we use their software and, and and it's not specifically for that reason but i do have a little bit of that brand loyalty to them because of that you know that inbound content that they have created that i can go and access and and it just makes me feel like okay like i'm not being they're not pushing me they're not selling me on anything yeah. they're breaking down they're sharing their expertise with me and it it i think it's it's a, it's a really well done by them so totally. and that kind of that i i would agree with that man that and that like really exemplifies kind of the inbound methodology what we started talking about is it's not it's not like interruptive and it's not broadcasty, right? They're not, it's not like you're getting one piece of direct mail and you know, you'll throw it away and then it's it's over and done and you don't get a reminder. That is all good content that's optimized for you to be able to find it, right? Yeah. At your own pace, right? So whether you're searching for Google Analytics for beginner's guide or Google Analytics for like advanced strategies, whether you're like you know, awareness stage or all the way, you know, high high, you know, you're, you're highly experienced with it. And you're kind of more in the more expertise stage. They have content for every type of, you know, wherever you are in the funnel. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, that's a really good, really good example. And, you know, going back to inbound content tends to be evergreen, you know, billboards are going to go away. Direct mails are, you know, not going to be hung up on the fridge for too long. Uh, But if you write content that's findable at any time, and then is connected with automation, that'll keep, keep people engaged, then um, it's a little bit more work in the setup phase, but then you can just like leave it, leave it on, leave it running and know that people in that stage are being talked to while you're focused on making the next great campaign. Yeah. One, one other example I'm going to throw out because it just, it just occurred to me. And, um, and I, I thought it was just, it's a, it's a smaller company. They are, it's a place called the modern dog and mm-hmm. they're, they're um, a doggy daycare here down the street from us and we send our dog there like once a week and um they sent us a a, a, you know physical card merry christmas happy holidays all that and it had it had pictures i mean they have like 50 60 dogs probably more that they keep track of well there it was front and center is our guy ranger you know our dog was there on the front of the christmas card and it and it's as simple you know i it's still data right like they they know they know it's my dog they're yes. personalizing that experience to me and it's hanging up on our fridge. And right. whenever we need, you know, it's, it's just building that brand loyalty. It's building that trust. Um, and so I, it's, I, I bring that example up to illustrate, cause we're talking about Spotify, Uber, Moz, like these big companies, there are ways that you can do this. You can do, you can, you know, f- find out the way that fits for you, right? Find a way that fits for your brand. How, what sort of data do you have access to that you can mine, whether it's online or offline, 
you know, if it's online, there's probably a whole lot more of it, but, and personalize those experiences and be helpful and delight customers. That's, that's the gold. So we're getting near the end here. I want to close with this. So let's say someone's listening to this, you know, this uh, podcast episode and they're thinking like, you know, Hey, this sounds interesting. You know, I, I don't know where to start though. What would you say, Taylor, Laura, what would you guys say? Where do you start with, with, you know, if you want to take a inbound marketing journey? Yeah. Where do you start? So are you talking more about where, where do you start if you want to learn about it or where do you start if you want to like, let's go, let's enact it. I think if you, it, well, if you will, uh, shameless plug here, if you want to learn about it, Brandon, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yes, and we are a HubSpot partner. That's okay, right. We're a second HubSpot shameless partner, plug. You know, so, um, <laughs> shameless, shameless plug, but where do you start? Like, if you're like, Hey, I want to get, I want to get the ball rolling on this. Um, yeah. what's, what are just, and look, it doesn't have, you know, doesn't need to be super hot, you know, detailed or anything, but yeah. high level, like, all right, if I want to experiment with it, if I want to give this a go, like where, where would you say to start? Yeah. I mean, I'd say, you know, start with understanding who your buyer personas are, right? Look at your audience, break them into three or four different personas and really understand um, what answers and solutions they need at every one of those three phases. I think that will help you regardless, even outside of your inbound strategy, that's going to help you with a whole bunch of other branding and marketing initiatives. Right. And then from there, I would pull it out even further than that Taylor before then is let's look at your big picture marketing plan. You know, does an inbound marketing component fit into that? And as we talked about, it should, it could. And so, you know, from even from a budgeting standpoint, I think you also want to see what is that marketing budget and how much, you know, can you dedicate to an inbound marketing strategy and and implementation. Um, But Taylor had mentioned this at the the top of the show is you also want to identify your goals. So I would say even before personas, what do you want out of your marketing? You know, what are those KPIs? What, What are you trying to do? Are you trying to generate leads? Are you trying to grow revenue? Are you trying to generate more brand awareness? I would start there because then how you are defining those goals, you know, you can tailor for the path. Tailor that strategy, the inbound marketing strategy, your whole marketing strategy um, to fit those goals. But the buyer personas, yes, I I mean, I definitely agree that has to be there, but I was just pulling it out just a little bit. And let's look at the whole plan first and what that means and your goals as a company and and, and, and as a brand what do you want to accomplish? You know, totally. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. But, you know, goals, buyer personas, that's, that's one easy way to start. Um, and the cheap, like key ways to start. And then I would say, you know, from there, start creating great content, right? Um, great content, Absolutely. success of this, like rests on great content. I know Chris, you, you would agree that like content is king, right? Um, and so write something that not just you would want, to read or would find valuable, but like this, again, this buyer persona would find valuable for their current understanding for what their current challenges are. All of that really great content is going to carry you, especially and people note, finding it for years to come, you know, totally agree, Taylor. And, and one note, cause sometimes, Oh God, great content. What does that mean? It can sometimes scare people because they're thinking I'm not a technical writer. Do I need to do hire a writer? Do I need to, you know what? It doesn't have to be this, 12 page in-depth technical whatever great content can just mean a great article and it could be the top five reasons you do this or the top five reasons you don't want to do this it could be really simple you know i I would just 
mm-hmm. tell people don't don't be afraid about oh god what does great content mean yeah. it's not about you know it's not about how long the article is it's it's about how authentic it is yes um authenticity is critical and it's about to taylor's point you know addressing some sort of need challenge whatever giving giving helpful tips giving that solution so mm-hmm. don't let the word content scare you or you know I gotta go find me a great writer. You know, oh, that, I think anybody could pull about together some really good content. That's total. I totally agree with that. If I, I, you know, I used to be a writer way back in the day, but like, if I look at some of the most like effective, successful blogs I've written, uh, some of them are in like the two thousand five hundred, three thousand word range, right? Where we're going really, mm-hmm. really technical, and then the other one is like the few, it's like two hundred words, and it's mostly right. images, and it's more lighthearted, right? So d- different, different, you know, different uh, strokes for different folks, I guess. Yeah. Well, and 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 to tie that all together, the way that you create content, what makes great content is that understanding of your personas and what they want to know, what their pain points are. If you know that and you know, you know, you know who they are and what matters to them, then it's a lot easier to create that content that ends up being great. Right. Cause if you're, if you're, Oh, I'm, you know, me, I'm a marketer. So I'm, I'm just going to write stuff that matters to me. Then I'm going to miss the boat for who the people I'm trying to, to mm-hmm. actually get to, you know, engage with this content. So, so really good stuff, guys. The, the two things I, you know, was, you know, personas and goals, right. You know, and then content, uh, is, is kind of the next step. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make it a a three leg stool and say that final thing is, is that data, right. Understand where that data is going, where it's coming from, how you're going to pull it together, be thinking about that. And for me, that's the, you know, of, of inbound marketing, that's the three legged stool. That's the flywheel, you know, personas, you know, personas turn into content, content turns into data. Well, you know, you can get data from that content. And then that data goes back into informing those personas Mm -hmm. um, and what they're thinking, what they're feeling, you know, what they're missing, that sort of thing. So again, not to, to mean their journey is what it's doing, you know, on, on how, what that buyer's journey looks like. What are they, where, you know, where are they going? What is their next step? Yeah. Yeah. Not to overload with imagery, but yet it's a, yet another flywheel, right? Yes. Just flywheels on flywheels. This is why yeah, it makes right. sense. Right. No, I, I I love that because then it brings us right back to the start, right? Um, then, you know, one thing we always joke about is like your inbound strategy is never done, right? You can always look to improve and optimize. Sure. And that's what that data is there for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, guys, thank you very much. This is really, you know, great conversation, really informative. Uh, Taylor, great job on your first uh, podcast. Laura, thank you as always for joining us. And uh, we'll catch up with you guys next time. Thanks, Chris. Guys. That's it for another edition of Solving for B. Did you enjoy the episode? Then check out more content on all things branding and marketing by visiting brandextract.com. Be sure to also follow us on our social channels like LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to Solving for B. 